0: Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burragoon campus. So sit back, relax and enjoy what God has to say to you. An absolute privilege to uh, be here and uh, celebrate with the Mabrys and uh, a delight. I think you've interviewed me a few times from... uh, a little village just east of Perth you wouldn't have heard of called Melbourne. Uh, that's where I live. Uh, but to make it onto the, the uh, airwaves in Perth through Graham's ministry, uh, congratulations on 40 years to both of you. Lovely to be here. Thank you, Nick, for your welcome. Uh, lovely to be part of the worship. And Janelle and Jonathan. Janelle is uh, the daughter of uh, uh, my wife's brother. So there's a lovely family connection uh here also. I've been staying with Donna and Alan Tranter. Donna's the uh, chair of World Vision International, the first woman chair and a Perth girl. So everything good comes out of Perth, really, doesn't it? I uh, want to read uh, from Luke chapter 12 and also from Jeremiah and uh, I don't know if we can put the scriptures up but Luke 12 verses 54 to 56 I'll read this version then Jesus said to the people when you see clouds growing bigger in the west you say a rainstorm is coming and soon it begins to rain when you feel the wind begin to blow from the south you say it will be a hot day and you are right You hypocrites, you can understand the weather. Why don't you understand what is happening now? And then from Jeremiah, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Well, we have some challenging scriptures there. And uh, Jesus seems particularly critical that people who can read the weather signs and who are alert and curious uh, can't understand the times. Particularly critical because he actually says you hypocrites. I uh, like to think of Center for Public Christianity and thank you Nick and Mount Pleasant for actually hosting uh, a roadshow for Center for Public Christianity as existing to try and help faith seek understanding. It's a Christian media company, Center for Public Christianity, really the only one in Australia whose whole mission is to plant in the secular press stories about the beauty, truth and goodness of Christian faith. We know how there's often secular hostility and tone deafness to any Christian message. Well, faith seeking understanding, discerning the times, reading the times that we are in is what Center for Public Christianity is all about when we uh, think of the times we often reflect on them like this let me read this to you people lose a sense of shame rudeness is taken up as a sign of sophistication people pursue the pleasure of the moment They lose respect for leaders. The young no longer defer to the old. And the old behave as if they were young. The difference between the sexes is blurred. People get irritated by the least touch of authority and they dislike any rules that inhibit their freedom. And they want to just do as they like. You might hear those words and go, oh, that'll be a Christian evangelical, maybe here, maybe in America. Actually, those words were written by Plato. He was speaking of democracy in Athens. Often when we feel these are the worst times and all is lost, we forget that the times have actually always been pretty challenging. Young, disrespecting old people, seeking pleasure. Discerning the times is more than just saying, oh, I can read the paper today and I know it's especially wicked and we're especially lost. I think that's very important, particularly after the census we've just had. Uh, I know a lot of us, including myself, felt a bit of grief. For the first time, the Christian majority is under 50%. About 44%. For the first time, quite staggering, those ticking the box, no religion, are up around 39%. There is this grief that we're losing the plot, that Australia might still be living out of the narrative of the Christian faith, the Judeo Christian ethic, but it's certainly got no sense of the narrator. You might know the famous Yeats poem, Turning, Turning in the Widering gyre." The falcon can no longer hear the falconer. The centre cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the earth, Yeats says. It feels like that often, doesn't it? The falcon can't hear the falconer. The narrative of Christian faith doesn't know any narrator. Centre for Public Christianity actually exists to say even in these times they're not that different at times that Plato was describing we're always living with this confusion and selfishness but how do we actually assert God is good just that assertion that God is good is remarkable the Greco-Roman gods were pretty useless really (laughs) mischievous troublemaking indifferent that's why the Greeks actually invented tragedy Sophocles and their poets invented tragedy because the gods you had to appease you couldn't rely on they weren't particularly good life was tragic it's amazing that in the Hebrew language in the Old Testament that we have the Hebrews didn't even have a word for tragedy they looked bad things square in the face, read the Psalms. They were despairing of why the wicked were prospering and why the good seemed to be suffering. They didn't sugarcoat reality in the pain. The Psalms are brutally, brutally honest. But always it was but God. God and hope is still there. If the Greeks didn't have an Isaiah, the prophet of hope the Hebrews didn't have a Sophocles the prophet of tragedy this role in the public square of the goodness of God is so so important even when we feel we are in exile a Christian minority people not listening well these times haven't been too different right through history actually listen to Plato The um, fascinating thing about just saying God is good and God actually has a plan for our lives, you know, when all the science, when all the technology, and I'm a great believer in science and technology, and I trust the scientists who came up with the vax, I find it personally a bit depressing. So many Christians gone into conspiracy theories about the vax, Same Christians who, you know, never knew when they went to uh, Africa and had the uh, Yellow River figure what what was in that vax, they just took it, Uh, yet suddenly with this one. uh, Anyway, I won't go there. (laughs) But in these confusing, difficult times, just to say all the science, all the technology that explains the world as it is, when it's all in, we will still be no closer to knowing who we are, why we're here what we're to do. That takes faith, that takes a Christian story. Ivan Illich was once asked, what's the most powerful way to uh, change society? And uh, he was asked, is it revolution? Do you have a bloody coup? Capture those who are the most powerful and rich, cut off their heads, kidnap them. Is it revolution? Is it Reformation? Do you quietly have a march through the institutions of politics and economics and education and seize the commanding heights and have Christians in those places or your leaders in those places through Reformation? Illich said, it's neither a revolution nor a Reformation. If you want to change society, tell an alternative story. What the gospel is, is an alternative story. It's a profoundly alternative story. It starts with God made us and he is good. So different to all the other gods. I remember sitting in the gutter when I was working at Collins Street Baptist. We'd set up Urban Seed working with heroin addicts. The heroin death toll was higher than the road toll in Melbourne. That Herald Sun our paper would publish the tolls side by side far more dying each day from heroin overdoses and we at the Collins Baptist Church has set up a detox center I was trying to convince a heroin addict sitting in the gutter with him to get into it the detox center and I said something that rolled off my tongue really easily I just said to him you know what I think God made you what staggered me was he burst into tears I thought oh He's not religious. I might have offended him. Perhaps I shouldn't have said that. Through the tears he blubbered, God made me. He said, my old man told me I'm just an accident. God made me. He said, I've never felt like I was wanted, like there was any purpose. God made me. It struck me again just how profound this alternative story is. There is a God who made us. And he is good. There is a God who answers the question of why we are here and who we are and where we are to flourish by being related to him. Well, with the sense of saying no religion, nearly 40%, nearly the same number as those who actually identify as Christian, we go, oh, we're losing the story. It's fascinating to me that even when people say no religion, it doesn't mean no belief in that no religion category there are any number of people who believe in karma in astrology in a thing called earthing we have dear neighbors where we live in melbourne he's a windsurfer he would get jesus about reading the south wind he wakes every morning and he sniffs the wind he is addicted to windsurfing he's my age and he's out there he's really amazing he lives for it his wife and him have no Christian understanding at all. Three years ago, when we first got to know them and moved there, we told them we were leading a, a trip to Greece and Turkey uh, called In the Steps of the Apostle Paul. They uh, looked bemused, confused. We said, you know Paul? They said, no. The Apostle Paul of the Bible? No. Heard of the Damascus Road? No. <laughs> Absolutely zero understanding. But between him as a windsurfer and his wife, no belief in God, but she absolutely believes in earthing. Any of you heard of earthing here? She's brought books, multiple books for us to read. She's evangelizing us, actually, (laughs) sharing it with us. She's brought mats that you plug into the PowerPoint. You don't even have to turn on the power, but the earthing actually brings, when you touch the mat, all the good things out of your body it's based on just walking on grass with bare feet and she's got earthing mats right through the house her husband the windsurfer, says yeah I hate it I keep tripping over these earthing mats <laughs> he says I just breathe the air I don't believe in this BS he says she's sitting there she says yeah well you're sleeping on an earthing mat am I he says why <laughs> because it's so good for you well no religion But very strong beliefs because you actually have to have faith to plant yourself in a story to answer why and where and who I am when science can explain the world as it is and it does that well we still have to have faith to explain the world that ought to be that should be we have to actually have faith and have beliefs we can't live without that the Center for Public Christianity is saying, even in this time of exile for us as Christians, we shouldn't be fearful. People are spiritually hungry. They will believe. We need to tell them the alternative story. Well, this uh, time of exile that often we feel with uh, Christianity facing secular hostility is not very different to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Here in Jeremiah, it's fascinating that in exile, where there's the temple to the Babylonian god Marduk everywhere, that their natural reaction would be to fight exile. Their temple has been destroyed. And they are longing to be back in Jerusalem. Their temple in Jerusalem is literally where heaven and earth meet. First the tabernacle, then the building of the temple, promising that God will dwell with them. The message of the Bible is less, how will I get to heaven to dwell with God? It is far more, how will God come to earth and dwell with us? That's the message of the Bible. That's why Jesus actually describes his own body as the temple, where heaven and earth meet. God dealing with evil that blocks God, God in Jesus dealing with evil on the cross, that blocks God dwelling with us so we can flourish, walk in the garden as Adam and Eve did in relationship with him. So the prophet Jeremiah says to these uh, people in captivity something that's very surprising. Don't resist exile, he's saying. Don't fight the culture wars, he's saying in in Babylon yes trust in God but actually accept the culture around build houses settle down plant gardens marry have sons pray for the welfare of the city that it will prosper now that is a city whose God is Marduk, whose temples are pagan this would have been a very confronting message for so many And when he talks about the prophets, don't listen to them. They're prophesying lies. Almost certainly those prophets were Jewish prophets saying, fight the culture. Go to war. Don't accept that we're here. Resist, resist, resist. Does that sound like some Christians today? The power of Jeremiah's message is... Extraordinary as we think about ourselves being at times in exile a minority group again. You see, gods in the ancient world reign supreme over certain areas. The chief god of Egypt, Ra, the Moabite god Shamos, was the god of the Moabites, supreme in the land of Moabites. Marduk for the uh, Babylonians. And the gods standing rises and falls with the fate of their nation, their national gods. Kings are sort of half-gods often, so you can't ever rebel against a king. The extraordinary thing is that Yahweh, this God, is declared to be a good God, a God who is above all territories and all nations there is therefore this radical split between god and the people it's not just a nationalistic god the god of the israelites is not only the god of the israelites but the god of everyone this god his power extends not only over their territory but everywhere such a god cannot be identified with the power of this or that nation think sometimes putin capturing the Russian Orthodox Church, who are blessing the war as a holy war. Patriarch Kirill blessing it in the war against Ukraine. The point of the plagues that were sent uh, on the Egyptians is not just to hasten the freedom of the Israelites, but it's to show Pharaoh that God's power extends over Egypt. Egypt's power really is dependent on Ra, that's a different God, Yahweh. God's power extends over Egypt, and Pharaoh loo- learns that. The story of the Israelites in Egypt is really a religious critique of nationalistic power, chest-beating power. Well, this is utterly mystifying in the ancient world, the idea that God is the supreme power, and that this God intervenes In defense of the powerless, of the vulnerable, of the widow, of the orphan. That's how good this God is. That's how universal this God is. Many centuries later, at the time of Jeremiah, Judea was captured. Jerusalem destroyed. The temple destroyed where God was to dwell. Heaven and earth meeting. Destroyed by Babylonians. What does the prophet Jeremiah do? He doesn't interpret this as the defeat of a people and its God, the God of Jerusalem, but as the defeat of a people by its God. Yahweh actually defeats his own people, using the Babylonians as his instrument. This is a massive shift in understanding gods in the ancient world. God does not endorse might, but God endorses right. The vulnerable those who are loved those who keep the covenant religion isn't a justification of national power it's a critique of it now I say this because in our world where does unity come from it comes from three things from gods sometimes we call them idols from blood and soil family ties nationalistic dreams or enemies when it comes from gods we think of pleasure the gods of profit, the gods that secular Australians worship. These are gods. Humans are made to worship. Humans will worship something. Well, the alternative story of Christian faith says the true God transcends the gods, the idols of pleasure and profit. This God actually unifies all of us. We are all made in this God's image. To uh, those who then say it's blood and soil, that's one of the unifying thoughts. And I'm often reflecting on Acts 1, 6 and 7. The last question the disciples thought to ask Jesus before he ascended to heaven, the best question they thought they could ask Jesus was this. Now, Lord, is this the time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? In today's language, that question would be, Now, Lord, is this the time you'll make Israel great again? Have you heard that before? Let's make America great again. Let's make Russia great again. Let's make China great again. And often Christians here saying it's going to be Australia great again. We've got to seize power. We've got to legislate it. We're becoming a minority. We fight the culture wars because we're in exile. What's fascinating to me is Jesus won't have a bar of it. Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not for you to know. This is what it's about. He says, you are to be my witnesses. First in Jerusalem, then in Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Witnessing to what? The alternative story. There is a good God who's the God of all whose image is in all, that when you approach another human, you're approaching something of God. Isn't that amazing? You're approaching something of God, whatever their color, their ethnicity, their background, their flag. This God is above all gods. This God is above family, blood and soil ties, one national vision. This is why Christianity was the first internationalist faith ever, a global faith. It's why working at World Vision was so fantastic. So many from so many nations gathering together to care for the world's poor. Well, it overcomes blood and soil. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. That's incomprehensible in the ancient world and the first preaching of justification by faith not works was actually paul saying you jews you accept the gentiles who are in christ even though they're not circumcised they're not eating kosher food they're not keeping the sabbath you actually have to understand one faith they're baptized into one body by one spirit The marks of the law, the identity markers, they don't count. They don't count anymore. One internationalist faith above blood and soil. And not anymore united together by our enemies. A common enemy is what unites us. I know it's heresy to say here, but in Christ, using Galatians 3.28, there is neither eagle nor docker. When the local derby's on, we fire up and we know who the enemy is, right? In Christ, there's certainly neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, the identity markers. In Christ, actually, there's neither vaccinated nor unvaccinated. In Christ, there's neither left nor right. I'm always struck by how the wiring of Christians is often... Their political tribe before the faith. I say to those who, and we all have our politics, mark that politics out, I say, don't go left, don't go right, go deeper into Jesus. Go deeper into Jesus. It transcends left and right. One faith. One baptism, one body. It was wonderful Nick was talking about the unity of those 16 churches coming together. The great prayer through all of the New Testament is that we will be one as Jesus and the Father is one. Not fighting wars against each other. Not fighting culture wars because we feel in exile. But actually accepting this is God's work. We can be witnesses to the alternative story. The God who loves even our enemies. Now, this enemies bit, this is the hard bit. The world unites around gods or idols, or it unites around blood and soil, it unites around enemies. You know, when Jesus said, Love your enemies, I find this really confronting. If he'd said something a bit more practical, like avoid your enemies, that's useful, Jesus. If he'd said, All right, I'll stretch you, tolerate your enemies, okay, I'll accommodate them, I'll tolerate. He goes completely over the top saying, Love your enemies. Why? Because Jesus believed, even your enemies carry the image of God. And we need to love them and pray for their redemption. How extraordinarily alternative is this story? Out of having enemies comes the conflict and the greed and the suffering. And Jesus says, no, 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 love your enemies. The very things that unite the world, idols or other gods, blood and soil and nationalism and flag. I have to admit I got a little bit nationalistic during the Commonwealth Games. Then I lost count of how many gold and silver and and then as I started to think, yeah, we're winning, we're winning, I thought, yeah, we're, we're really thrashing Tonga and Fiji. <laughs> it sort of tempered my nationalism a bit. <laughs> now it's great we have the games and it's great we can celebrate green and gold, but the Christian story says these are all children of God, absolutely loved. The enemy's bit... That really is the hard bit because even Christians find often their unity around enemies. Have you noticed? We're we're in exile, we're going to fight you, we're going to go after you. It's why at the Centre for Public Christianity we try to place the truth, beauty and goodness of the faith. Not just picking fights. Let me finish by saying one of my close friends who drives me utterly mad because he's so infuriating in his political beliefs he's a friend from St Kilda Baptist days infuriating because we'll be texting each other he loves Donald Trump, I don't he thinks climate change either isn't really happening or if it is we can't do anything about it and we shouldn't I believe We should be addressing climate change and creation care and stewarding the garden, I think, is a fundamental Christian duty. He loves the right of politics, Uh, only reads the Murdoch press. Uh, I uh, read some other press. We're often having goes at each other. And then every now and then we'll both push pause button. And we'll say but isn't it great our identity is in Christ he feeds the poor at St Kilda Baptist every Monday night wonderfully generous it just reminds me again and again when my wiring starts to become a pit you know my enemy has those views that wa- the gospel lifts us to a place of unity through an alternative story with faith seeking understanding this is our role even in Babylon even in exile not to listen to the prophets prophesying lies saying just fight be angry be aggressive reclaim no love plant plant vineyards share from your vineyard witness to this Jesus who points to a God who will dwell here on earth in fullness who's dealt with evil in the cross How radical is this alternative story? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.